What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi there. We wanted to take a second before we get into this episode to thank you for listening. We really, really love getting to do this show and your support, whether it's by subscribing, leaving us a review, or supporting our advertisers is what makes it possible. We are ridiculously grateful. And I'm sorry that I'm going to do a whole like people are asking influencer energy thing here, but sometimes people do in fact ask us if there are other ways that they can support us. Friends, the answer is yes. Our secret menu membership program is a once weekly members only newsletter that costs four bucks a month and your first month's fee goes straight to charity. We cover all sorts of topics. We're talking shopping, gifting, food, entertainment, even advice, and of course, snacks. You can sign up for it all at a thing or two hq.com to start receiving it. And you'll even get access to all the back issues you missed. And if you've made it this far without subscribing to our free Monday newsletter, well, what are you doing? Go ahead and rectify that also at a thing or two hq.com. If all of that sounds like too much effort, we get it. Maybe just take 15 seconds to go smash some stars for us in the rating section of Apple Podcasts. That helps a ton, truly. Thank you. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazer. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from and want to support us in general, head to a thing or two hq.com and sign up for Secret Menu, which will get you weekly access to members-only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything really, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two hq. You read my part of the intro. I've never done it before. I just, <laughs> How did it, it just, feel? It just felt right. Claire, it just, there was so much flow and it stop. <laughs> the train was just headed to the station. Just zooming right ahead. I thought you did a fantastic job. I really like, as it was though my brain just like went on without me. <laughs> I actually read your part of an ad earlier today. So, you know, it was only right. <laughs> it was perfect. It was perfect. Uh, um, well, you know, Today's intro only I can read our, our intro topic. That's right. Um, that's right. Because it's about how I'll to start out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot do this part. <laughs> We're going to first, I'm going to talk today about how my advice on how to get into a running routine. And then we're going to talk about things we want to leave behind in pre-pandemic life. Yes. Right. The, Is that the, how like, you'd quote normal? It? We don't want to go back to. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Okay. So running. Mm-hmm. Um, Claire, I've been thinking about this because... I have not successfully started a running routine in mm-hmm. at least a decade at this point, <laughs> but like always have aspirations of doing it. 
And I just, and this is like the season. This is like the time of year where I'm like, yes, it's perfect running weather. Even Thomas and I were going on a walk the other day and he was like, God, he's like, this kind of makes me want to go on a run. I was like, I've never heard you say that in your entire life. It really Um, is the most perfect running weather in New York City right now. Like the trees are all blooming. It's that right. For me, the perfect running temperature is 50 degrees. And that's sort of like what it's been in the mornings. It's nice. And it's that thing where like sometimes I want to do a different type of exercise, but I feel guilty because I'm like, we only get so many of these days and I have to take advantage. I have to be outside, which is We don't live in Los Angeles. We have to take the the good weather when we get it. That's right. That's right. Here's the thing. A, as I've told you many times before, I don't think anybody has to be a runner. You know, there's lots of different exercises you can do. And <laughs> and you should feel great about any form of, of moving your body. The other thing I will say is that this is just my experience of how to start a running routine. And I'm clearly not an expert. And not only that, but like, I don't know that this is what the experts would tell you to do. Because from my experience, the sort of like tried and true method that everybody recommends is a run-walk method where you like exercise for, say, 30 minutes and basically uh, trade on and off. 5K model. Exactly. The couch to 5K model, which is an app you can try. I've never done that. Um, So I can't speak to it. But what I did do is when I was 24 and had never been athletic at all in my life, like never played a sport, never maintained a workout routine for more than, say, a month. I was just very unathletic. I decided that I wanted to start a running routine. It was because I was like, cycling off of antidepressants and wanted and figured this was a good way of of sort of managing my mental health. And what I did was I would just start I was really committed to doing it every single day. And I was like I know that this is something I can do every day no matter where I am regardless of whether or not I have like the right equipment. I can do it on my own schedule. So if I have the time in the morning or the afternoon or whatever, I don't have to have an instructor or teammates or anything like that. Like I like that it's just this really sort of independent thing. Yes. Um, so I was like, okay, so running is going to be my thing. Like I don't, I don't need a skill. I don't need equipment. I don't need a coach. And the number one thing that I say to anybody who's just starting out running and wants to start a routine is just to start so small. And I think that this is a thing where people feel like, well, if I'm going to exercise, if I'm going to run, I need to go for at least two miles or even at least a mile. And honestly, that's just too much. If you've never, if you've never run at all before, you just are super out of practice. Running is so hard. It's like jump roping where you try it and you're like, oh my God. You're just like like winded three steps in. Yes. You're like, oh, what's happening here? And like, I think when you're a kid- And is that my quad? Right. that that muscle? (laughs) Exactly. Like it's crazy hard to do. And so- I think if you actually want to start a routine and make it something that you're doing every day, if you push yourself so hard and you're like, I'm going to run for two miles or I'm going to run for 20 minutes, you're either going to be so incredibly miserable or you're going to fail at your stated goal. And you won't want to go back the next day because you don't want to feel defeated or you don't want to be totally miserable. So I think starting with this like super bite-sized amount where you're doing it for five or 10 or 15 minutes gives you a way to sort of like practice it, feel it out, build up your endurance in a way that's not just like, yeah, totally defeating and and torturous. You know, my run coach, um, Coach Bennett, Claire, mm-hmm. on the Nike yeah. Run Club app, yeah. he always says you want to end your run wanting to run again. Love um, that. That's like a whole thing of like, wow. you know, you're not trying to yeah. leave it all out here on the trail or whatever. Yeah. No, you want to end this feeling like, oh, I like, that was nice. That was yes. like pleasant. I would like to do this again. Thank you. 
Yes, I love that. Another thing that Coach Bennett said um, when he came on our podcast and I was pregnant and I was like, it's so hard to run right now. He said, never belittle any effort that you make. And I love that. And it like so applies to running where don't belittle just doing five minutes of running a day. That's five minutes and you did it. I mean, listen, don't belittle five minutes of anything you do <laughs> that you feel like is meant to make you feel better. Right. Um, yes, agreed. Yeah. So this is what I, I do think for most people, 10 minutes is probably a decent place to start. It's going to feel hard. You just slowly work your way up from there. And for my like frame of mind, I'm the type of person who responds well to being like, I'm only going to add one minute each week. And like ne- this week, I'm doing 10 minutes a week a day. And next week I'll do 11 minutes a day. And sometimes I'll beat my goal and often probably will, but I'd way rather beat it than not live up to my goal. And I also, the other thing I see people do wrong all the time is worry about pace, Mm. which is crazy. Like you're just, you just have to get to a place where you can run a mile without stopping. Just don't worry about your pace. It doesn't matter. Like you'll get to a point where you decide you want to do speed workouts and stuff like that. But you, but also who cares? Like, what are we doing this for? Like, (laughs) yeah. Like, I don't know. I just, in terms of pace and like speed and those things, I'm like, we're, we're adults. We're not like going to compete in any Olympics. Like maybe, maybe you want to go do like a 15 K and like when you're at age category and that's like cool and whatever, but in general, it just doesn't matter how fast you are. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. And that's why I always say, give yourself time goals, five, 10 minutes. Don't give yourself like one mile, two miles. Cause that, then it becomes about speed and you're like, Oh, I just want to get it over with. So I'm going to run faster. And I just don't think that that's an effective way of doing it because ultimately to me or for me in, in building up this habit, consistency was so important that it had to be just like, okay, I'm just going to get out and do it. And still, even to this day, there will be times where I'm like, I wake up really late and I have to get somewhere. I'll I'll get on the treadmill and run for 10 minutes or just yeah. for one mile, which for me is, you know, a fifth of what I would normally do, but it's still something. And there's like, I don't think there's any such thing as like, it's too short. So there's no point because it's about habit building and it's about just like being consistent. I wrote about this in a secret menu we, we sent recently, but I... I think the best metaphor I can offer is that I think about it like dental hygiene where (laughs) I'm just like, I brush my teeth every day. Like, of course I do. And like, yes, there are days where I wake up and I don't feel like brushing my teeth or I'm really rushed and I like feel like I don't have the time. But I know that if I don't brush my teeth, my day is kind of going to suck. So like maybe I'll just do a kind of sloppy toothbrush or I won't go for the full two minutes or I'll skip flossing or something, but like I'm going to do it. And if I maybe if I did a really good job brushing all month and was super thorough and I have one day where I'm just like, I can't, I could probably get away without brushing my teeth for a day. But like, for the most part, it's just like something I do to maintain my like desired uh, high, high, mental hygiene, really. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like, I like the like setting the tone of like, it's something I do, um, mm-hmm. which really helps me with habit formation in general. Like, yeah. oh, like this, like flossing my teeth is something I do. Um, And it just gets over that hurdle of like, am I going to, am I not going to, whatever. Yes, exactly. And I I think we do that with stuff where we're like, I do this for a reason, right? Like it it contributes to my well-being in some way. Eating breakfast, drinking coffee, like whatever is something I do because it like sets up my day. Like these are the same things or exactly. sort of similar goals. You skip coffee, you skip breakfast, like you're going to survive, but you're going to be kind of off during the day. And yes. for me, that's running. And I think part of that also means when I was building up that habit, I 
had to be consistent. I absolutely could not skip a day because I had to sort of learn what it felt like to be doing it every day. And is the other this is why I also say like I don't actually think it is effective to tie your reason for running to like physical fitness or weight loss because yeah. I think those are just flimsy accountability partners where you can always just say like, well, I'll run twice as long tomorrow, you know, or like I'll do do something to offset it. So, and for me, when I get into those moments where I start to like think about it in those ways, that's when I sort of like become less inspired and I lose my commitment. Yeah, you like flail a little. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to remind myself like, no, this isn't actually about that. This is about a daily practice to maintain my mental health for both the short and the long term. I think it's also why a lot of people who are consistent runners always want to have a race goal. They are mm. always working towards a race because it's like otherwise you just can't train a reason. For, you're to put like it off. training. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then I also think, you know, a lot of people also tie it to social engagements, whether that's like you have a regular running buddy that you see and that's like that social engagement or you're part of a run club or whatever it is. I just think tying it to anything other than physical fitness or weight loss or whatever it is, is going to make you sort of more accountable to yourself in that way. Um, And then my last sort of tip around this is I just think giving yourself some sort of a treat to look forward to as part of the run is key. And I remember for me, so it was like 2008 when I started running. And at that time, Lululemon was like kind of the only fashion-y... Activewear, yeah, yeah. yeah. On the market, it was like the go-to one, and I remember my mom was super excited that I was like tackling my mental health in this way and getting into physical fitness. And she took me to Lululemon and got me a cute outfit, and I was so fucking psyched to wear it. Yeah, and I would like get me excited to to get out there in the morning, and I recognized and so that that was a key motivator. And so I would occasionally just like buy myself something cute from Lululemon to wear, and I actually like I really think that helped me stay consistent with it and stay accountable to it. And I think. Obviously, like that's not for everybody, but it's like maybe it is like the second breakfast that you get. (laughs) Yes, your second breakfast, like podcasts that you only like give yourself permission to to listen to when you're running because they feel not productive or something like that. Or or it is like when you get to go see someone or something. Like it's fun to when you visit the park and like get to see the things in bloom or whatever it is. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you so much to Right Wellness Company for sponsoring today's show. Right Wellness Company makes an all-new natural CBN remedy for sleep, pain, and anxiety. And you know, Erica, I've got to say, I do feel like we were early adopters in the world of CBD. We were. We were. 100%. We've been talking about it for a while. We've tested out like all the CBD products. So it does feel very nice to also be able to be early to the CBN world and to be able to bring this to our listeners because CBN is so similar to CBD. They're both derived from the hemp plant, but it's actually an even more effective ingredient. That's right. And we want people to be getting on the ground floor, you know? (laughs) And we also, frankly, just need to maintain our status as CBD and CBN experts. And like, you know, just, I want to be a a hemp talking head basically when that's where we are in this, in media. As a culture. Yeah, exactly. So obviously this past year has been stressful and somehow things keep on uh, being stressful. Yeah. We are all experiencing heightened levels of stress, fatigue, and sleeplessness and choosing how you address those problems can be challenging, especially if you're looking for alternatives to pharmaceutical products that are so pervasive these days. Whatever your situation is, Right Wellness can help you find the relief you are looking for thanks to their all-new tincture that uses the latest transformative hemp ingredient, CBN. 
like we said. CBN is an all-powerful, non-intoxicating, hemp-derived compound with benefits around reducing stress, sleeping more, and managing aches and pains. It's a natural ingredient similar to CBD, but a lot more effective. Right Wellness wants to help you get the relief you deserve so you can save 20% just for being a listener of our show. Simply go to rightwellness.co, that's rightwellness.co, and use the promo code right for you. Try it risk-free. If you're not fully satisfied in the first 30 days, they'll give you a full refund. So go to rightwellness.co and use the promo code right for you. Thank you so much for supporting the sponsors that make this show possible. Thank you so much to Modern Fertility for sponsoring today's episode. Before we get into this, we just wanted to take a minute to acknowledge how painful the topic of fertility can be for a lot of people and to send our love to anyone dealing with infertility or pregnancy loss. To that point, if you want to skip over this ad, just hit that fast forward button a few times um, and you will move on to the next. So something that's really interesting and we, as we were learning more about modern fertility is as someone who doesn't want kids, mm-hmm. I just like never thought any of these fertility tests were for me. Totally. Um, like, and, right. and always just kind of like ignored. I was like, yeah. What, You're like, that's... cool. I don't have to listen to that. Thing. I don't have to pay attention to that thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yep. exactly. But I, it hadn't really occurred to me that this would be giving you information on your hormone levels that can be indicative of other conditions or that this could be useful to get a better sense of menopause timing or things that like will and and do affect my life even though I don't want to have kids. Well, um, I feel like the more and more we learn about hormones, the more we're like, cool, they're running our lives and we don't understand enough about them as women because particularly as women, we are so impacted by them. So it's so helpful to be like, oh, my hormone levels indicate that like maybe I'm, I have a thyroid disorder or PCOS or whatever it is. It's not just about, you know, whether or not you want to have kids. Although it is, of course, there is that too. context. Yes, there is that too. So that's why Modern Fertility was created. It's the easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Traditional testing with a doctor can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility only costs $159 to get the same information. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash a thing or two, you can get $20 off your test. And if you have an HSA or FSA, you can use those dollars on Modern Fertility to get insight into how many eggs you have, hormone levels, and other important fertility factors. The results go deep and you can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and options for next steps. And right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash a thing or two. That means your test will cost $139 instead of the hundreds or even thousands it could cost to go to a doctor's office. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash a thing or two. That's modernfertility.com slash a thing or two. We are so grateful grateful to you all for using these links and these codes because they help us make the show better with the help of our sponsors. And honestly, if anybody has used this test or, or you go on to use this test, we want to know what it was like. So let us know, um, you know, how, how it was for you. What you were saying about having something fun to yeah. wear made me think of the other thing that has gotten me like, yeah, like running recently, which is following other people's running journeys. Mm-hmm. And Edith Zimmerman um, yes. in her newsletter does such a nice job of, it's called Drawing Links. And she does such a nice job of calling out like her running process and just sort of where she's been and like the outfits that have gotten her excited yes. um, and the people that she watches in the park and like all of that. Nikki Oganike always mm-hmm. is sharing good running tips. And Amina Tussauds recently did 
couch to 5k or is like in the process of that um, and has talked a lot about like the just like getting out there and doing it and how she's really taken to it. So that has also made me be like, yeah, yeah. Yes. I love that. I I do think I've been surprised by the ways in which following people on Instagram who also run has been a good motivator for me and just made me excited to get out there. I've been like, oh, right, it can be fun. Or like, I could do that path too, which is why I think running does have such a strong element of community despite it being an individual sport. Totally. Um, So, okay, we actually get into a lot of this stuff around who to follow on Instagram and what brands to to look to and all of that stuff in this week's secret menu. So if you are a subscriber, this week's installment is all about running resources. So it's apps and Insta follows, brands, books, zines, all of it. If you're not signed up for secret menu and you want all of this intel, sign up for secret menu at a thing or two hq.com. Amazing. Okay. Can we talk about things that we don't want to go back to? Like things that felt like integral to our personal individual lives that the pandemic has stripped away that we are saying no thanks to? Yeah. I mean, listen, there's a ton of global national stuff pre-pandemic that I'm not interested in going back to, but just on like a personal level, there's some stuff too, I think we're, we're interested in just not revisiting. Let's start with truly the smallest of potatoes, which is yeah. just like the time spent getting ready. Both the smallest of potatoes, but also the biggest. Cause it's like <laughs> one, I spent a lot of time getting ready in my pre-pandemic yeah. life. So big in that way. And also two, like, I think it will be a hard habit and to not to, to fall back not into. Not to fall back into. Exactly. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. There are certain habits I think it will be easy to just leave behind. And this one, I already find myself being like, oh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to curl my hair, you know, do my hair and do my thing. What is the getting ready stuff you don't want to be doing? I think one, doing my hair. Yeah. Which I think that I can actually cut back on. I think it's like spending too much time thinking about what I'm going to wear is probably the biggest one. Like you and I had a day of meetings the other day at all outdoors. Not the other day. It was like a couple weeks ago. And I realized the morning of with some amount of horror that I had forgotten to spend time the day before mentally planning my outfit, which was like in pre-pandemic life, honestly, the way I would fall asleep every night. That was my way of lulling myself to sleep. And it was so out of practice that it hadn't even occurred to me to think about it. And it was like, these things take time. Like I have to do this. Totally. Yeah. That's like part of the process. And I totally skipped it. And like, yes. how will I survive this? Yes. No, it's funny. We were taught, we were just talking about post-pandemic dressing on another episode. And as much as I like want to be, want dressing to be fun and like, I don't know. And it's like way creative. I also on the flip side can very much feel the pull of uniform dressing and just mm-hmm. being like, I don't want to think about it at all. Like yeah. I don't want to have to dedicate any headspace to that. So it's just like, I don't know. I'm having a hard time being like, what is the play here? <laughs> How am I dealing with this? I I do think that that's, it, it's going to be a challenge in that way. And like we, we talked about previously too, just trying to adjust our expectations around what what is an appropriate outfit for various things, given that we've all dressed so differently before. It, it's been a challenge for me to think about for sure. For me, the thing that I really don't want to go back to is having to blow dry my hair. Mm-hmm. And I have not dried my hair at all in the last, I don't know, since last March or whatever. Yeah. And my hair is healthier. Like it's just so much easier. Like all of this, like there's just so many wins. Yeah. And this feels It looks very- great too, which is Thank also you. a win. Thank you. Thank you. And this feels like very doable, like 
you know, May, June, July, mm-hmm. August, September, and then it's like October and it's like, oh shit. Like, yeah. am I washing my hair at night? Am I That's like, what, what I was do- just going to say. Can I you shower know. at night? I mean, yeah, but then it's like, I also have to shower far enough before bed that I don't go on to bed on wet hair because right. then it's, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. doing all kinds of crazy things. So and that it's also just, just like another part of your nighttime routine. Do you want to be getting yeah. like all wet every night? Yeah. And like, yeah. I don't, I don't mind like a nighttime shower at all. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I don't really quite know how to build that in, but need to, because I just, I really don't, I, I don't want to have to use a blow dryer anymore. I'm done with it. I think. I really feel you. Listen, for about, I want to say like three to four months of the pandemic, I only wore my hair slicked back in a low bun and it was so nice to never think about it. Yes. And I've gone back now to actually doing my hair and doing my hair in- involves air drying and then like going through it with a curling wand to smooth it out and all that stuff. And I there's definitely a happy medium for me with some of this stuff, but it's also like, it's just like you said, it damages your hair. It takes yeah. time. You just don't want to deal with it. You don't want to get out the tools. I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. The other really big one for me that really just sort of keeps me up at night is running around to meetings, which is maybe a little specific to us and the fact that we don't have an office and we don't work at a company. And so... I don't know. I feel like people who have like... People have to bop to other people's offices all the time for meetings and stuff. No, it's true. I mean, listen, I I more just mean like, we're not just meeting in conference rooms with our yes. co- co-workers. Like we totally. have all clients in different places and, yeah. and partners and things like that. And... I cannot believe how time consuming it is to just leave one place and go to another place. <laughs> I just, to, to put it in the simplest terms, it takes up so much time to go somewhere that I could just be getting other stuff done. Claire, I cannot imagine commuting for two hours for a one hour meeting like that. Like yeah. I just, it just, it's like the mind cannot compute it anymore. It also just seems like impossible to wrap my head around the idea that people previously got onto planes to go to like a meeting or like a, like a two hour long meeting, you'd get on a plane. Like that is just like outrageous. It's totally nuts. When I think about the number of times we got on a plane to just make a presentation or pitch an investor or whatever, and we wasted, you know, entire days traveling and stuff and the amount of money and the, all of it. And the amount of jet fuel and like all of it, all of it, the carbon footprint. The other like piece of this that I'm curious how it's going to sort of resolve itself is I think because nobody has been traveling to meetings, our sort of like workload or productivity expectations have shifted. And that's what's been really jarring for me is that you and I have gotten really used to here's how much we can get done in a week. And on these rare occasions where we've had to drive into the city and, and meet with people and do stuff, we get home and we're like, how are we going to get everything done this week? Because we just gave up half a day to all of that running around. And I do think I hear from other people too, who also just who work at companies who feel like they've just been pulling longer hours and grinding in a way that typical office culture didn't have room for because you were coming to the office and leaving the office. And so if we've all adjusted our expectations around how much can get done in a week, that is either going to have to shift when part of the week is taken up by commuting places or we are going to have to stop commute running around to places. Totally. And like none of this is to say there isn't the place and the value in an in-person meeting because, 
you know, we just had a meeting yesterday, for example, that mm-hmm. would have been like way worse on Zoom or as a call yeah. where it was brainstorming and it was like collaboration and it was like that sort of thing where it was helpful to meet a person. Yes. But there are just so many meetings that are not like that. And can we just like be selective about it? Like we just like don't need to have check-in meetings be in person or like no. a status meeting be in person. That just feels crazy. No, I mean, I think even a lot of pitch meetings and stuff. I mean, yes. you know, it all varies. And we were also talking recently about how I feel really comfortable with regular meetings over Zoom, but making a big presentation can be really hard over Zoom because you can't read the room. And there is, you know, there's, like you said, time and a place for the in-person stuff. But man. Yes. I'm super curious about how consultants who are traveling like four or five days a week or others that are, been, you know, that are used to being on the road a lot are thinking about this and are, are dealing with this. So if you are one of those people, I would be super interested to hear from you. Definitely. Thank you so much to American Giant for sponsoring today's episode. Can we talk for a second about zip hoodies, Claire? I would love to. Um, I would truly love to. I just, I feel like they had like fallen out of my wardrobe for a minute and I don't understand why because I feel like I desperately need to have one at all times. Erica, I have had the exact same experience. And I specifically remember in college refusing to get rid of any zip hoodies because it was like, well, this is a very critical piece of any wardrobe. And then finding myself with none and you need them. You need them. And I think specifically for me, the reason that I've like been missing them is that I really like them under a trench um, mm. or like a jean jacket, like as a layering piece, just like a like gray or black yes. zip hoodie. Yeah. I don't know. It just- Wow. It, wow. Great call. Yes. Yeah. Under a trench. What a look. What, what a, look. a look. It feels uh, like there's like some like Kate Moss moment I'm picturing and I couldn't tell you what it is. Yes. But- Wow, I'm very inspired. I didn't know I was going to get so inspired on this ad read, but I am. Which brings me to this American Giant full zip hoodie, which I've definitely been hearing about for so long. Years and years and years. Like It kind of feels like a decade now. It's one of those hero products that just went viral and never stopped being viral. Maybe like one of the first viral internet apparel pieces. And I finally got my hands on one around like 2015-ish. And I have to say, everything that you read about it is true. It is insanely sturdy. It's the kind of hoodie that you always reach for and then just don't get rid of because it's so well-made. It's got all of this structure without being hefty but and without being bulky, but it does have sort of the weight of a coat. Like you could wear it under a trench and be warm. And it's it's one of those things where you look at it and you're like, cool, this thing's never falling apart. The stitching, the hardware, it's all very built to last. And bonus, it's also a 100% American made from the cotton to the zippers, custom developed heavyweight cotton fleece made from locally grown cotton. This part I love. Everything from the raw cotton to the cutting and sewing, it makes its way through a compact supply chain in the Carolinas and ends with final manufacturing in Middlesex, North Carolina. Like all made in the Carolinas, every little bit of it. I love that. It's like deeply impressive. So get your classic full zip hoodie at American-Giant.com today and use the promo code a thing or two for 15% off your order at American-Giant.com. That's 15% off when you use the code a thing or two at American-Giant.com. Thank you so much for supporting the brands that support this podcast. What about just traveling in general? How are you feeling about it? Not just, you know, going yes. to going to another office for a meeting. The idea of traveling in the way that so many people we know traveled previously, it just feels so bizarre in yeah. retrospect. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Like it loses its novelty, it's expensive, it's draining. Visiting certain places feels, I don't know if performative is the right word, but mm-hmm. like, you know, it feels like you're like, like something you have to check off, off your list. list. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and yeah. that feels so weird yeah. after the year that we've had. Um, yeah. How about no, you? I, I, the thing that I've noticed, there's like two things. One, not being able to travel for a year made me realize how much I wanted to travel to visit friends and family, even more so than tourism. Like there are places yeah. I want to visit as a tourist that I either miss or really want to go and I'm curious about. But my wanderlust is honestly more focused on familiar places and people that I just yeah, want to yeah, yeah, like yeah. be around. And I think at least for a little while, that's probably where my travel sort of like time and money budget will be focused. It's like an old favorites kind of energy. <laughs> yeah. Like I just want to see the people I love who yeah. I haven't seen in so long. Yeah. I want to see the place, the places that I love that I haven't seen in yeah. so long. I also think, and this is like a bit tangential, but I was so lucky to have gone on vacation with my family right before all of this hit. And I was like constantly throughout the pandemic was like, I'm so glad that I went to Mexico City and like had that moment with my parents. It was so special, et cetera, et cetera. On the other hand, the beginning of the pandemic for a long time and and, and it continues to be actually a really economically frightening time, right? And I remember thinking, God, should I have taken those vacations? Like I need to be in a place where all income could stop for a period of time and I would be okay. And the first thing that came to mind was like, well, vacations, you know? And, and, and I, you know, that stuck with me, that feeling of like, I need to have six months to a year savings. Who knows when this could happen again? Who knows? Or who knows when something else could happen that could impact, you know, the industry that we work in differently. It's really scary. And, and yet, like I said, continues to be scary. So in that way, I'm also thinking about traveling differently where I'm like, like the frivolity of it is like not appealing. Yeah. Yeah. Do I take the vacation or do I, you know, give myself the, the financial security? Yeah. The thing I've been thinking about more and more too is just the environmental piece of it too. Mm -hmm. And there is a BBC article that we'll link to that talks about how the aviation industry is responsible for about 5% of global warming, which doesn't sound like that much in this scheme, but just 3% of the global population takes regular flights. So if everybody in the world took just one long haul flight a year, aircraft emissions would far exceed the U.S.'s entire CO2 emissions. So basically like a very small portion of the population is responsible for that 5% of global warming that the aviation industry creates. And it just, I think... I want to be more conscious of how and when I'm contributing to that. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. I will be very curious to see how things proceed because, you know, already you are seeing lots of people taking vacations as well. They should. Um, yeah, totally. But, and people but, haven't. And yeah. I mean, people haven't. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and by the way, like tourism is a critical part of the economy in so many places. Um, Absolutely. And, and it's important that people get back to it. I just, I know, I do just know that for me personally, I'm starting to think about it in different ways for sure. And not that I don't have the intense desire every time I see someone on a beach on Instagram to go just have a luxury vacation. Totally. <laughs> um, well, I just, I just think there's like a sense of like reconsidering some of the excess um, yeah. or like trimming some of the fat off of exactly. like what what the habits had been. And related to that, (laughs) having plans like three to four nights a week, which Mm -hmm. was a place that you and I were totally in before this all started. And some of those were work plans and some of those were like work adjacent plans and some of those were just pure social plans. And yeah. Yeah, I accidentally ended up having 
plans three nights this week and had anxiety about it for two weeks leading up to it. I was like, that yeah. is too many. And and part of this is also now being a parent. And I, you know, I had a kid for exactly one year before all of this happened. And he was a little bit of a blob at that point. And so for the last year, getting to have dinner with my kid has been very meaningful. And obviously, you know, so it's a different type of sacrifice. But I also just think it's wanting to be home and like, yeah. Yeah. And, and and not wanting to like eat too much and spend too much and feel exhausted the next day and all of that. Yeah. And also just like, I mean, as someone who does not have kids, yeah. like seeing it on my, it just like feels, it feels like so much again, running around. Yes. Um, there's just like so much running around that feels a little like chicken with your head cut off. Like yes. where you're like, where am I? What's happening? What am I doing here? Who am I seeing? What's next? Oh, totally. And it just, you never have a minute to stop and think it, I, on those, it, our friend Lauren tweeted the other day, it, it felt very right. She said, had one of those New York style pre-COVID days where you start at 5.30 a.m. and don't sit down until 9 p.m. And I must say, no longer for me. No longer for me is a, <laughs> a great thing in general. No longer for me. <laughs> I just related to it so much because also on those days, you get home at 9 p.m. and you have so many unread text messages and unread emails and all of these things where you just feel like you're like still catching up with the day. Like a little and discombobulated. Just, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, it, they're hard and they're hard on you physically and mentally and emotionally. And I just have really come to cherish, like you said, even aside from the, you know, seeing my kid thing, having time to wind down at the end of the day. Totally. You know? Totally. Related to this is the idea of overbooking and canceling, which mm -hmm. was also just like the, the like culture and like the habit of yeah. the culture before. And like how many memes are there about like nothing, like, you know, the blessing of canceled plans and like all of that nonsense. Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. I had this really revelatory experience the other day where I texted a friend and asked if she was around this weekend to get together. And she responded, I am, but after this, I am around this weekend, but after this tragic week, I just really want to be at home with my kids. And it had been like, as we've often had in the last year, one of those weeks where every day something terrible happens on the news. But I also just love that she was like, yeah, I am home and I don't have anything on my calendar, but that it's doesn't not mean that I have I'm to socialize. busy. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. That's a trap that I and I think a lot of people fall into where if I don't have a tangible excuse as to why I can turn on, down an invitation, I feel that I must accept it. Well, as if like someone has visibility into your calendar or what right? is going to call you on it if they're like, oh, I you posted something on Instagram that was clearly from your kitchen when you <laughs> said that you couldn't see me. I just always feel as though I have to say, I can't, I, ha I have this going on instead. When in fact saying, I am around, but I can't because I just really want to hang with my family or I just really need some alone time or downtime or whatever is such a strong excuse. And I w I felt so like personally liberated by her response. It yes. was like, actually, I kind of do want to just hang with my family at home this week too. It that was just so nice. nice. Yeah. And I, I was very inspired by it. I really want to be better at it. I'm going to take her cue and just feel very comfortable saying, you know, I am, but I just need some downtime or whatever it is. I was making plans to see a friend who he had like suggested sometimes and I had offered up a night for dinner because it was like technically open and mm -hmm. then immediately regretted it. Yeah. Because like the idea of like being free on Thursday doesn't mean that I want to make plans on Thursday. And like, why can I not get that into my own dumb head? So here's where I think 
that this will be at times a challenging habit not to fall back into. And it's because I'm imagining in this scenario, your friend said like, when can we get to dinner or get together for dinner? And you felt crazy saying three or four weeks from now, yes. because it's like, what else do you have going on? So yes. it's like, that's exactly right, Claire. That is why you offer that. And I think that can be a hard thing to do to just be like, I can't actually do it for three weeks. I have some open nights, but I'll just be so crazed that week if I, you know, or whatever it is. The other part of this that I think I don't want to go back to is like that everything has to be this like elaborate plan, yeah. you know, that it mm-hmm. all has to be like booked on resi, that like everything has <laughs> to be, where are we going? What time yeah. works? Blah, 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 blah. And a year after taking so many walking dates, like I want more walking dates. Yeah. I want to like, hey, can you go on a walk after work today to be just like something we continue to do? More like stoop hangs, more yes. like BYO snacks to the park or whatever, or like I'm going to the park in an hour. Is anybody around kind of thing? Actually, I feel like you saying that just I had a a light bulb moment where I do think part of what's so hard about having the plans three to four nights a week on your calendar two weeks ahead yeah. of time is just sort of what you reference. It's like seeing it on your calendar feels like yes. this mental load. It feels like restriction. Like you're like, I I have to be somewhere. Someone or something is telling you, you what I have to do at that time. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. a lack of freedom. And there is something super nice about it just being improvised where you're like, do I feel like doing this right now? Or do I feel like doing this in an hour? And I do think COVID has at times caused a lot of boredom, but I think it's also given people an appreciation for not having so much structure in their day when, especially when it comes to social events sometimes. And, and yeah, that makes it nice to just say like, do you want to take a walk some morning this week when it's nice? Yes. (laughs) Like play it by ear. Yes. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Something that Chris always says, let's just keep in text about it. Another thing that we were talking about was just the idea in general that location or ability would be a barrier to anything, right? I, the fact now that we have seen, you know, people get hired and work at places where they've never met the people in person, right? Like, or people move across the country and continue to work for the same company they've been working for for the last five years. Like it just, our lives are less geographically fixed. There was also this incredible- And I like hope that stays the same. Like I think I worry that like all of a sudden we get out of this and it's going to be like, you know, people applying for jobs and they have to be in New York or like whatever. And yeah, that's just like depressing to me. It's like, what have have we not learned anything? Have we not learned that it works just fine? I don't know. No, and and I think even you and I as as managers, you know, when we were managing team would always feel skittish around like, if you're working from home, then I won't be able to yada, yada, this, that, you know, grab you at a moment's notice. And now we've learned that it's just, people can be trusted to work from home. We figured this out. Well, also, I think we've all developed the skills to do it over the last year. Like I think- most people I know were not as good at working from home a year and a half ago as they are now. Totally. Because um, now we all have places to do it, like it or not. <laughs> and we've gotten comfortable with Zoom. I yes, mean, we never exactly. used Zoom in our previous lives. We would no. get on these like choppy conference calls from an echoey conference room. And, you know, are you looking at the same screen I am? And yeah, it's, uh, we've figured it out for sure. The other thing that I thought was really interesting is New York Times published this article back in August about how social and professional life has become so much more accessible and accommodating for people with disabilities. It's like they're not cut out of anything in a way that they used to feel that they were, that they not just feel that they were, but they were. That goes for conferences and and workplaces, but it's also, you know, concerts and and whatever it is. And 
you know, there was a concern and I'm sure there still is uh, in the disabled community that like, does this all stop when, yeah. when things go back to normal, when, can, when people can get together in person? And we've all learned that it's like, it doesn't, it do, it's not asking a lot of anybody to make something virtually accessible, right? And, and we can continue to do that and open things up to a whole group of people who are geographically or physically unable to participate in certain ways. Well, I just like, I, in general, I, I I can't remember. I don't think I've talked about this in the podcast. I did this like book workshop that through McNally Jackson in New York, uh, this wonderful bookstore. And it was a seminar series um, on Valley of the Dolls. And it was hosted by our friend Marissa Meltzer. And it was just like wonderful. It was every Thursday for a month. And it was really amazing that there were people from all across the country doing this who I would never have interacted with otherwise. And it was the sort of thing where I was like, why like this is exactly what I would want to do in my everyday life like not yeah. it, it this doesn't need to be just a pandemic fix like I like the idea of being able to sign up to like read this book with a group of people and not have it be like this set book club of like people who I know the conversation is going to devolve into like something else entirely because yes. we're all friends and have group text or whatever well and what I think also something that's nice about that that I hadn't really thought of before even when thinking about this particular concept is that I think that enabled a lot of people who might not have otherwise felt comfortable attending in person, either because they're like, oh, it's all, you know, I'm too old for that. It's going to be all young people or I'm too this or I'm shy, you know? Yeah, and, totally. And yeah, I think it makes people a lot more comfortable showing up to events like that. And that's a really wonderful thing because you just get a more diverse group in the room. Agreed. The quote, un- quote unquote room. And obviously there are just so many things on a sort of like, I don't even know if macro level is the right word, but I like on, like on beyond a, our ability control yeah. to control world. It's so many things that we don't want to go back to. And I think, you know, the thing that has been on on my mind a lot and on everybody's mind a lot is like not putting certain workers and certain industries in these insanely fragile positions that like make them really vulnerable in moments like this. And it's like, this is the type of change that has to happen on a policy level, but I do think it's still worth thinking about so that we can change certain individual behaviors that contribute to it and also that we can advocate for change on a government level. And yeah, the first of that obviously being how we pay and treat essential workers. I thought one thing that was really interesting right when the pandemic hit and like no one knew what to do, how to act, like how to think about how long this was going to go on was that there were these reminders everywhere of like, you know, you still have to pay. If you have a housekeeper, you still have to pay that person. Like yeah. pay, continue to pay that pay person. Pay the person right? who cuts your hair, even if they're not yes. cutting your hair, because exactly. this is how they make a living. Exactly. They, yeah, exactly. And if you have the privilege of like uh, engaging with a service worker in this way, you are in some ways their employer and you have to sort of treat them as such, right? And because these are people that don't get paid vacation. Exactly. Like it doesn't exactly. exist. Exactly. And so you have a responsibility to them um, because you have the privilege of, of using their services. And I am very hopeful that for people in that position, they continue to operate in that mindset where it's like, if that person is ill, if that person can't come to work for any number of reasons, their child is sick, whatever it is, it's bad weather. You continue to pay them because they were relying on your check every however many weeks. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm hopeful that that's a, a, a mindset shift that that stays around. Same with, you know, our understanding now of how vulnerable, you know, any service workers and people who rely on tips and things like that. And that we are just more generous when we can be. 
and then thinking about all of the industries that we that are important enough to us that we think that the government should be helping them out, like restaurants, for example. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, I think, you know, I hope that we're all fighting more for social safety net for everyone yeah, after exactly. this, because I think yeah. we've all realized just the fact that it is like, it doesn't exist. It just yeah. doesn't exist. It is like at best a spider web. Oh, People just yes. being like paid, well-treated with dignity, given social services that allow them to not have jobs in times when they can't have jobs, those sorts of things. Yeah. And just really like putting front of mind the the industries and the and the professions that are core to your well-being and every day. And yep. yeah, in our community. Anyway, this <laughs> is just like- to end it on a light note. <laughs> <laughs> this is like a part part two to two, three or four of our ongoing yeah. uh, post-pandemic series, our unofficial post-pandemic God, series. We're going to feel so freaking out of touch when the pandemic just like picks up again in a month. And it's like, surprise, <laughs> everybody get back in your houses. Mm, I thought we were trying to end on a better note. Claire. I know. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That's the show. This has been a production of Dear Media, and we are so, so grateful to the talented team over there for helping us to make this podcast happen, especially our outstanding producer, Brian Peoples. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. If you have ideas for the show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and sign up for our newsletter at a thing or two HQ.com. If you love our show, consider supporting it by signing up for a secret menu at, you guessed it, a thing or two HQ.com.